Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored once again by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. The Business Creators Radio Show takes you into the field to those places where you have those mastermind meetings and aha moments that move you closer to serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Sometimes you'll hear a bird chirping, a car driving by, ambient laughter from the table nearby if we're recording this in the cafe, and we've actually done that before. We've had guests tune in from the Colombian rainforest, and there were giant raindrops beating down on their tents. We had somebody dial in from an airport in Tel Aviv. You can hear the IDF jets right over as we were speaking. So these are the kind of environments you experience when you have these moments, and we want to take you there. Now, right now, this is another thing that makes the entrepreneurial lifestyle so interesting is that the moment that I'm having this conversation, it's actually 2 a.m. here in beautiful Las Vegas, known to some, definitely not tonight, though, because we're now into our official autumn as the hottest city in America. And we have somebody coming to us all the way from across the pond. His name is Mac Atram, and he is going to share with us about joint ventures. So this is going to be about how to get your next client using JV. So there's a marketing strategy involved in this. He's going to show us a bit about that. And he is going to tell us a lot about the distinctions and how to truly identify what a joint venture really is. That's a term that's been somewhat bastardized. So I'll tell you in a couple sentences, Mac Atram is the founder and CEO of Mindspace Coaching which is a leading business, he's a leading business growth expert, widely regarded as one of the most sought after business coaches and trainers for entrepreneurs. He's famous for helping business owners rapidly increase their sales revenues from 20% to 200% in just a few months, as well as implement better processes and build winning business teams so they can have more time off to enjoy their lives. He has got Quite a background, quite a story. He's going to tell you a bit about it in a second, but I'm going to tell you just one more thing about him. He's been rewarded as Executive Coach of the Year, where he comes from, in the United Kingdom. So, Mac Atram, come on in. The weather's fine. Hey, Adam. Great to be speaking with you here. Thanks for the invite to the Business Creators Radio Show. I really, really enjoy um, looking forward to this uh, conversation. Oh, this is going to rock. Now, before we get into this JV thing, what we like to do here is take a step back. I read off a piece of your official bio. I could only do a piece because it's so impressive. I'm not sure if I'm worthy to be here, and this is my show. So uh, what we want to do is have you tell us a bit about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today, in your own words. Brought you to you where know, you are serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Had to get my one of my taglines in. Go. Well, you got it. You got it. Thank you very much. And um, 
since this is a business creators radio show, uh, let's um, give you a little backstory then. Um, how did I get here where today I've now trained hundreds of thousands of people in over 50 countries to grow their business, to grow their wealth as well. And, uh, you know, owned several businesses. And, but there was a time, you know, like you mentioned, I, executive coach of the year in the United Kingdom. I've won many awards for our coaching services that we provide, um, best-selling author of four books. And I'm not saying all these things to brag, but I'm saying this because there was a time when I had a struggling business. I remember my first business two decades ago, I came to a place where I had two business partners who just absconded. They disappeared. Um, one said no they don't want to um, do the sales and marketing anymore so suddenly i'm doing the sales and marketing when i'm supposed to be running the whole um business and and, and ceo so that business partner's now gone now i'm working more hours then our operations manager says look um well, he, he actually didn't say anything he just disappeared one day i've gone to his house uh, i'm ringing the bell nothing's that no answer i'm ringing his phone no answer I'm asking his friends, where, where is Tony? He's around, but he's avoiding me. So now my business is in trouble. I've got 12 staff. I've got to make sure I can pay them. I'm working 90 hours a week, 100 hours a week, and my wife is pregnant with our second child. And a few short years had gone by where we were newly married and I've worked in all these hours, hardly seen much of our first child and much of our first of my wife. And, um, and at one point, it felt like my wife was going to leave me because it was arguments and I was never at home. And it came to a point where I had this breakdown. I'd break down in my car. I had my hands on the wheel sitting there five minutes from my home that evening. I didn't want to get home. And sobbing and think, feeling sorry for myself, thinking I'm a failure. Why am I a failure? And in that moment, I realized, hey, Mac, how do successful business owners do business? How do they become successful? How do they become rich? And I realized there's certainly something I don't know. And I took it upon myself and said, look, I'm going to study this. So I went, I started going to seminars and, and um, going to various workshops to learn, and reading various books. And, and back in those days, I, I was listening to loads of tele seminars. I know these days we've got podcasts. But I, within two years of doing that, I was able to fix my business. Well, first of all, fix myself, then fix my business. And then I sold that business. And then people started asking me, Matt, can you help me with my business? So I started working for people one-on-one, -on -one, then eventually became uh, five to 10 people in the room, then suddenly thousands of people I'm speaking in front of around the world. And so um, during that, period as well. I, I focused on real estate property. I invested heavily in real estate property over the last two decades, a multi-million dollar business. Um, so this is what I do now. And recently it's been very much about helping people to create great partnerships, joint ventures. Why? Which is what we're going to be talking about very shortly. All right. So that you know, uh, you busted down crying in the seat of your car. I just smashed the printer into a thousand pieces. We all have our ways. <laughs> we have our ways. Yeah. So uh, first of all, let's define our terms. Uh, most of us have heard this, but let's hear your definition of it. What is a joint venture? Thank you. And when, we, when I'm teaching this to our clients, I, 
I try to make it, I, I do my best to not make it technical, but the technical term is a win-win strategic partnership between two or more people who agree to leverage, and the key word here is to leverage each other's resources in order to make more money or save money. So a win-win strategic partnerships where we're going to leverage each other's resources to make or save more money. And that can be between one or two, two or more people or companies that make that happen. And, and for me, the way I look at it, it, it is the fastest, most lucrative and least competitive form of marketing that I've ever found. Right, right. So what makes them so important business important in business, especially now? Well, the reason why this is so, so important, especially in business now, is this. Well, let's think about it. You know, when it comes to marketing, you'll have many gurus telling you about their preferred way. And I'm not saying their way is right or wrong, but if it works for you, keep it. If it doesn't work for you, look for an alternative. But one thing we will know now, we know now that there are major marketing trends that have come on over the last year, two years. Right now, there are more, there's more noise, more competition, less engagement across social media, and greater costs. And we know, and I, I listened to one of your great podcasts where um, there was a gentleman talking about Facebook and Instagram. We know that organic reach is much harder now. Facebook, Meta, Instagram are only putting a percentage, a small percentage of your audience. They're just showing the content to a small percentage of your audience. And so social media channels want you to do what? They want you to spend more money. Advertising costs will continue to rise. We know that across Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, all, all these channels. Let's look at email marketing. Email marketing, great when it works if you do it correctly, but we know people are inputting invalid email addresses. Now, tracking some emails and tracking open rates is becoming more challenging. And algorithms are constantly changing, whether that's to do with Google or Meta, algorithms are constantly changing. So how do you keep up? Well, you can keep up with that, it's hard work. So my preferred way is joint ventures. Why is that important? Because with joint ventures, it forces you to build relationships. And I love building relationships. So much so in the last eight years alone, uh, myself and my Joint venture partners have generated over $25 million in, joint, in our joint venture partnerships. So this works and it works effectively well when you learn it, when you practice it, when you start using it. Essentially, it's about building relationships. Yeah, and I, I tell you, if you want to engage in social media advertising, you have to have an appreciation for complete fiction. <laughs> yeah, I... I experimented with that once and I was running advertisements. You mentioned teleseminars. I was doing a whole series of teleseminars. And one of them was about how to get paid to attend events. And the spoiler alert was, is you, uh, is you go there as a brand ambassador for a company that's looking for exposure, they pay for your ticket and exchange you wear their t-shirt. So um, I was running ads to get subscribers for this. And Facebook decided to tell me that uh, 
that uh, I was uh, advertising for multi-level marketing schemes. <laughs> well, I appealed it and I gave actual screenshots of approved ads that were running for MLMs. And they said, and they said, first of all, don't argue with us. And second of all, stop running ads selling tobacco. Huh? So I appealed that one again. And they said, again, you're again, promoting tobacco is banned. Respect our decision. You'll be banned from our platform. It's like, okay, no, screw no. you. Screw you. Uh, and, 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 and I have another story about it. It's even worse. Let's just say that after three weeks, they actually made an enemy of me. Now, I featured oh, wow. guests on my show who teach the strategy for those who are interested in it because, hey, if somebody else wants to make a go at it, that's perfectly fine. But I tell this story because as podcasters, we are the voice of our audience. And what we discover is that sometimes folks are find themselves challenged in vocalizing things because they can't believe that people would believe their story that's actually too weird to be factual is and when we say it they can align with us and they can therefore have either the catharsis or the growth experience or the evolution or whatever lesson or gift is waiting for them they just have to find some way to process it so i'll happily tell these stories and sometimes the stories don't even put me in the best light but you know what uh who hasn't had their less than finest hour? How do you have your finest hour when, uh, without having hours that aren't your finest hour? I, I just don't understand how people think that's even possible. So here's the thing. Uh, joint ventures. Uh, there's a few things that hold people back, and one of them is experience. So how do you get into a JV with no experience? I've got stories of people who've gotten burned this way. How do we avoid it? Awesome. Great, great, great question. Now I'm going to tackle it from two areas. And the first area is if you're going to do joint ventures, you've got to understand that the, to secure yourself and to make sure you protect yourself, make sure you have, uh, you have the right proposal templates and you have the right contractual agreements. Now you can get these made up. You can speak to a, a legal representative, a lawyer, an attorney to create that for you. For our clients, we already have those ready made so that they can really just um, edit those and, and, and make it ready. So you must protect yourself from a legal perspective. The other side of it is you don't want to do a joint venture with anybody. You must be very careful who you get into bed with, as they say. So if you're going to get into a joint venture with someone, you don't know where to start, or maybe you are small and they maybe they are bigger. The, essentially, the reason why a joint venture will work is that both party has an opportunity to win at something, to gain something. So if imagine this, comp this other company is much bigger than you. However, you, it's all a relationship building. So you are going to speak to the relevant person who can make decisions around what you, you, what you want to propose. And so in building that relationship with them, you're going to explain to them how they can win from this possible joint venture. As long as they can win, as long as they can make money or save money from what you propose, they're likely to listen. Because the beauty of joint venture is often, especially from a marketing perspective, Often the acquisition cost of getting those of clients through joint ventures is zero. So if that company ends up promoting you or promoting your product or your service to their audience, to their clients, 
it's cost you nothing apart from your time. I'll give you, an ex I'll give you a couple of examples. I'll give you a couple of examples. Let's take a, a large corporate. I'll give you a large corporation, then I'll give you maybe a smaller company and people we've worked with. Now, the in 2015, Volvo and Uber went on this joint venture partnership. Now, they both were thinking of creating driverless cars, cars that doesn't need a human being to get around, but both couldn't figure it out. And so they yeah. came together in this conversation. And in, in 2015, in less than three years, that joint venture partnership, Adam, was worth $350 million in less than three years. So both were good at what they do, Uber, the taxi hailing service, Volvo, the very safe car to buy, but to get, but together they could move forward faster. And the other thing is this, if you think about a lot of the large uh, kid move, kids movies that come out, when Disney or Pixar or any of those animations come out, what do we see from Coca-Cola? What do we see from Pepsi? What do we see from McDonald's? They're in a joint venture to create these toys that go Happy Meals. They're in a joint venture that suddenly they, that advert is being shown on their packaging. It's no, it's no accident. This is this is strategically done as a partnership. They both win. Now closer to home, because here you may have some consultants, Adam, or coaches or advisors that are on this platform. So you may have heard of a gentleman by the name of Tony Robbins, Anthony Robbins. Big, yeah, I've, seen, I've, um, seen, I've seen his name around me once or twice. Who is, who is that guy? <laughs> who is that guy? So, you know, for those who don't know, check him out, right? Uh, leading um, life and business performance coach. Great. Great at what he does. You may have heard of a gentleman by the name of Dean Graziosi. And Dean Graziosi is, is a marketing wizard, you know, uh, infomercials, TV. I mean, he's really, really good at what they do. And both are very successful in their own right. And two years ago, they came together and created a joint venture partnership known as Knowledge Business Blueprint. And Knowledge Business Blueprint was a system they set up to teach other people to benefit from the information industry, from the knowledge industry. Now, that joint venture partnership, listen very carefully, Adam, and I'm listening. This is so powerful that together, in less than two weeks, generated over $33 million together. $33 million together. They already had successful businesses. Now, we've taught clients how to do this. And I've shown, um, let me give you an example of one of our clients, uh, Anna. Now, Anna was looking at um, getting more clients for her business. She's a coach. And she, she was doing it traditionally, speaking on platforms, she was doing webinars, she was doing Facebook, all this kind of stuff. And in a 10 minute exercise that I gave her, I, I got her to line things up. When she lined it up, made a phone call to this possible joint venture partner she was hesitating on. And in 10 minutes, was able to agree a deal and eventually did the deal worth $40,000 in a 10 minute phone call, Adam. So this works very, very well when you know what to do, how to do it, and I said earlier on, you've got to protect yourself, use the right documentation. Because when money comes into play and there's an opportunity for money to flow, some people may have short-term memories. We don't want that. So if it's already- Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know that one, Adam? <laughs> First hand, go ahead. 
Yeah. And so, but, so we, we, we give our, our clients uh, contracts that they, um, they can get their joint venture partners to sign. We give them templates, we give them proposals, we give them the whole um, caboodle so they know what to do and how to do it effectively. And essentially, if the possible joint venture partnership is not going to be a win-win relationship, it's not going to be a win-win transaction, it's not going to be a win-win for both parties, then don't do it. Then don't do it. But essentially, if it's going to be a win, then go for it. It's been my belief uh, for my entire life that a pizza is best judged by how it is cold for breakfast the next morning. <laughs> and, uh, th- and, I, and I mean this two ways. First of all, literally, I have... To this day, I'll sometimes buy pizzas based on my previous assessment of whether they'll be any good for breakfast the next day, and I'll save it for that. I'll just leave it in a box and let it go cold. Uh, now, another thing is when people reheat their pizza, and uh, I, I used to hate this. I'd go get my slice of cold pizza, and I'd hear somebody say, you want to heat that up? No, uh, I don't. Now, what I learned later is that but you heating up your cold pizza usually means put it in a microwave. Now, when you put something uh, like like food that's already been cooked once and gone cold, you put it in a microwave, it rearranges the molecular structure in such a way that it's never going to be quite the same. So you're losing something of the original essence. Now, let's compare this to joint ventures. Where do a lot of the joint ventures that turn into horror stories come from. Uh, two people meet at a seminar. They go to the networking cocktail function. They have a drink together and they say, oh my goodness, where have you been my whole life? We got to do a JV. So they, so they uh, get on each other's calendars. They rush back to their offices. And by Tuesday of that week, they have an official joint venture. They have a landing page up. They uh, have... Uh, their ad campaigns ready. They have their joint Facebook page. They have their, they've had the, one of their designers Photoshop a picture of the two of them together that was never actually taken, but makes it look like they've been best buds. And you can almost hear the bomb falling. So here's what happens. They have, they go into this joint venture based on hitting it off over a couple martinis. That's the uh-huh. that's the pizza when it first comes from the shop. Now, overnight, that changes temperature, of course. And uh-huh. they don't stop to see. Now that we have gone a day or two, and we've actually had a chance to think about this, rather than just leaping in and screw it, let's do it. Should we be in a JV? Even if we're both <laughs> good people and we have good products, do our products align? Do our personal value systems align? Do our business methodologies align? These are things that fall under due diligence that way too often just don't get done. And I've been to enough seminars and conferences to uh, to see people fall in business love with each other. And then six weeks later, I'm reading about how they hate each other. And they've both put up uh, blogger blogs about how they how all the other person sucks. I mean, it's um, it's very, very, very sad. So what what happens in the meantime is between the uh, eloping into a JV partnership and the inevitable nasty divorce, and I do say inevitable because that's been my experience, 
is they reheat the pizza, which means now they're messing with the molecular structure and it's not the same thing as it was originally. So you have this combination of distortion, rushing into things, not giving things a chance to develop. And there you go. So you mentioned a few things. Uh, you know, alignment is something you touched briefly on. You also mentioned legal documentation and you mentioned due diligence. So what are some pitfalls to avoid and things that we specifically need to make sure that we're covering when we embark in joint ventures? Absolutely. The great, great, great question. I, I love your pizza analogy as well, because yes, yeah, certainly happens. I've, I've fallen, fallen victim uh, to this way in the past uh, in terms of someone says good idea and they write, you know, they want to rush to do it. But now I know better. And I had uh, one of our clients who uh, came just be just after she agreed an agreement, uh, joint venture agreement came to us. And the uh, working with her, she said, I've got this joint venture where this is how it's going to work. Um, they're both consultants and one person's going to create and produce all the content and the other one's going to market it. Now, the joint venture didn't last and it really didn't take off because as soon as money started coming in, the other party took the content and said, hey, by the way, I don't need you. That was our client. I don't need you anymore. And so I explained to her what had gone wrong and what, what she needs to avoid in the, in, in the long run. Okay, so she's gone on to do much more successful joint ventures since then. Now there are five, I wanna give your audience five of the biggest mistakes that I see with joint ventures in relation to your question. One is, one of the things you've gotta be careful of is get into bed or this marriage that you talk about, which I love as well, make sure this is something that it this is someone that you can be in a relationship over the long term i'm talking about a business relationship so if you can go to, if you can have a drink with them and feel comfortable if you can have dinner with them and feel comfortable if your personal values match there's a possibility that your business values may match as well so you want to watch out for some of these five biggest mistakes one is non-payments when the money starts flowing in suddenly the other person may have amnesia and say, oh, actually, no, we didn't agree that. So this is where having a written agreement is so, so critical, so, so important, as opposed to just, you know, we, we sat in a bar, we talked about it, and the next day, as you say, it's the molecular structure of the pizza has changed. Now they've got amnesia. So as money's flow, flowing in, non-payments. The other second thing is what I call skipping agreements. So you've made an agreement. It's not watertight. It's not signed. It's not. It's. It's not. It's not a legal do document. And so, people start skipping the agreement. They. This is what we agreed. You are going to do this. I'm going to do this. Now you end up doing your part, and they don't fulfil on their side. But yet, when the money comes in, they want their commission or they want their cut. Uh huh. The third. Thing, yeah, the third thing there, Adam, is different agendas. Now, there are some unscrupulous bigger companies that may want to use you. So you've got to be careful of this and get your legal documents in order. In other words, agendas, number three. So whereby what you have planned and you propose to them, they love. And they say, yes, we'd love to do it. Knowing full well that at some point down the line when it's proven, they're going to cut you out. 
they're going to cut you out and they no longer need you. So they'll bypass you and go directly or whatever it is. I've seen that happen, different agendas. So watch out for the person, you know, du du during your due diligence, listen to what they're saying, watch what they're saying, make sure you know what's in, your con in the contractual agreement between the two of you. Now, number four, get in into bed with the wrong joint venture partner. Now, if there are any alarm bells, and by the way, Adam, we give our clients a full checklist to make sure that they are going to get to bed with the wrong, right joint venture partner. And if there's anything on that checklist that rings alarm bells or anything from your intuition that says, mm, I don't think this is going to work, then don't do it because it will come back to bite you. Listen to your heart, listen to your mind, listen to your head, listen to your whole body, to what it's saying to you. Use your intuition as well. And number five is growing apart. You know, you may do, I, I've had this, some of the same joint venture partners for more than 10 years now. And we do joint venture partnerships, we do deals throughout the year. Now, the, there's number five, it's all about growing apart. But you've got to be careful with it during, in your contractual agreement. Is there anything that says in there that you can cut off this joint venture at some point if it's not working. So, you know, as human beings, as businesses, we all evolve. And if the evolution process that says, okay, we're moving on now, or we're not interested in doing that now, who keeps which part of the business or the particular thing that's been created, that all needs to be lined out. So I keep going back to the legal contract because this is where a lot of people go wrong. They just don't follow through and get this watertight so they protect themselves down the line. So as you said, you may be standing in the bar, you've made this agreement, the next day, oh, let's go for it, let's go for it. But it's all word of mouth and it's all just talk. You are a serious business owner, you're an entrepreneur, get yourself protected so that you can thrive with your joint venture partner. Yeah, I, I uh, had somebody tell me once uh, various pieces of a joint venture story from hell. So they kind of did that exact same thing. They did it on a feeling. They had reason to believe that, uh, that you know, it was all going to work out well. And you, it's funny the way you described one of the mistakes and some of the impacts of the mistakes. It seemed like, and the way the story was told to me, that uh, – they would uh, originally the joint venture was conceived where they would render one service together. So they had separate businesses. They weren't merging their businesses. They did one service together. Now, the idea was, is they were combining their efforts to create a lead generator. Now, they didn't even go far enough to, to define clearly, define clearly as to what happens with the leads after we finish this joint service that we do. So is it share and share alike on prospects for our respective businesses? Uh, do we get a cut of what each person gets out of, out of subsequent business? And, uh, and you can go on and on down that line. I think you know the rest of the story. <laughs> so, here, so, here, so here are a few things that came up. Uh, they would uh, start bidding. Uh, they started bidding on joint projects together. And that was like for one of the partners, one of the most painful pieces of it because they were creating this these kitchen sink agreements that they just kept getting, no, 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 no. All their proposals get for further work get, kept getting shot down. 
So the one partner who I was friends with, after the after the JV ended acrimoniously, went back to some of these folks who had turned down her proposals and said, "Hey, look, um, look, uh, that partnership's not there anymore. This this is just me. I'm not here trying to get your business necessarily, uh, but I just want to ask between you and me, uh, why did you turn our proposal down?" And time and time again, they said it was just too big and it was everything I wasn't asking for. So I'll give you one example that came up is uh, when they were doing the joint proposal for further business, the client has said, well, as far as implementation, we, what we are looking for is the copywriting and the strategy. My web designer will take care of everything involving the technical implementation. You don't have to worry about that. Just uh, as part of your project, write her the instructions for the way you want it so that we're testing the factors and doing the split test and everything properly. So the one partner insisted that they send an agreement that says, here's how much to do this for you. Whereas my friend said, the client said they don't want that. Why are we including it? <laughs> oh, 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 oh. And then there's another phenomenon where when they actually did close a few of those joint pro projects, the one partner uh, seemed to be absent, except for when the money was being handed out. But boy, when the money was mm -hmm. there, they were Johnny mm -hmm. on the spot. But when it came to oh, yeah. doing their half of the work, uh, it all came to a standstill because they weren't at roll call for that. Let's just put it that way. Uh, and um, and this just <laughs> was a repetitive, repetitive, repetitive thing. So again, I'm not an expert in JVs like you are, but what immediately struck me about the situation are a few things is... Number one, these two people in that joint venture should have. Oh, yeah, there's one other piece before I give my what I what my recommendations were. And I want to hear if you have anything to add, obviously, is the other piece of it is my friend, who was one half of the JV, said that his uh, said that his partner not only was Johnny on the spot for when the cash was being handed out, but the, since they were each running their own separate businesses, if the other JV partner got wind that my friend had gotten a client on their own in a way that had nothing to do with the JV. Boy, their partner was there with their hand out, with their hand out saying, where's my cut and where's my role? Mm. Like, uh, so here's what I, what I told them. Again, I'm not an attorney and you know more about this than I do. So I want you to fill in any gaps I leave out. I gave them a, like a, a few point plan of what they should have done differently. Number one is spell out that their businesses remained separate and that they were only doing this one specific thing together, number one. Number two, specify that if they ended the JV partnership, each one could continue to offer that one thing that they had been doing together separately. Point number three, spell out very simply that any leads generated as a result of the marketing efforts for that one thing they did whether or not they bought that one thing or, or not, those leads would become simply share and share alike, which dispose of in advance what happens to the mailing list. They both get it. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and, then, and then, of course, there would be, there, there'd be the further thing, which is to uh, really delve into, and I didn't know enough about their situation to comment too much, but when you have one person who really seems to always show up when the money's being handed out, but is absent for everything else, then you've got to spell out more clearly the terms of fiduciary duty. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So what? So what? Yeah. So in my in my amateur advice, what would your professional advice fill in? You know, you, you hit the net. You see, you just use common sense, right? Common yeah. sense. And in, in, in the scenario where they're in the bar and they rush to do this deal, there is no common sense because it's just euphoria. It's dopamine it's running through their, their bloodstream, their, their system. So this is exactly why we give our clients a, a, what we call a joint venture proposal. And a joint venture proposal forces you to think through exactly what you just said. In this scenario, what happens? If the, um, who's going to be responsible for which part of this particular joint venture? You're, so in, 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 in the training and coaching business, you may have someone who's going to uh, promote because they've got a large list, and you're gonna have someone who's probably going to provide content or deliver a, a presentation to the client's audience, whatever it is. But who's going to do what over what period of time? And if we do, if we're doing a joint venture to go and um, for lead generation, exactly right. What you've you just said there, common sense says, okay, we've created these leads together. The list that's built, if we have a split, we can both use it. But unless these things are defined, written down, it leaves room for assumptions. And then some people get um, hurt. There is resentment that's built up. And some people say, oh, well, that's business. Well, it doesn't have to be. You know, if you are ethical, if you do things morally the right way, which I advocate, by the way, then you can have a long-term relationships. There are people in, the, uh, in my past now that we've done joint ventures together. We've severed the joint venture. We're still on good terms. We still talk because it was that joint venture was for a period of time or an event that we were doing or a moment in time to use your language, a moment. And so going forward, we still have that human relationships and we don't, no one has to get upset. But a joint venture must, must remember this is a business transaction and a building a relationship for the long term. And in order to protect yourself, make sure you have the right proposal template that you're going to propose before and we say share the proposal talk about a proposal present the proposal get that agreed before you do a contractual agreement which outlines exactly what's been agreed outside the proposal so i've take so there's been some common sense you've shared there i've added a bit more to it but essentially it's the written agreement that's agreed that everyone would abide by and go through. And that protects both parties, by the way. Okay. So in biblical terms, we, we understand the phrase unevenly yoked. Now, sometimes with joint venture partners, you have that. A classic example is one person has the money, the other person has the technical know-how for a piece of the process or the entire process. Or uh, it could be any variety of things where there's an imbalance and what they what each side brings to the agreement so other than contractual issues how do you deal with that yeah so so you you brought another side of a joint venture whereby someone has some resources your resources as not as big seemingly big but the joint venture could be and i'll give you an example in a moment the joint venture could be that they would be open to do a joint venture with you. Yes, use their resources. However, you have something that they don't have. 
I'll give you an example of one of our clients who came up with the same scenario. He said, look, I'd love to work with this organization. They're one of the largest organizations in our space. However, I am not that big. Should I be approaching them? I said, look, what do you have that they don't have? Now, this person was this, this lady. She's an expert in the specific modality of healing, right? And not many people around the world has that. And so what she has, they have a very large audience, but they do not have any speakers or any trainers who can deliver on that. They don't have anyone in their organization. So I said, propose the fact that you can provide that to their audience. Yes, they're much bigger than you. Yes, you don't have a list. But if they can propose that to their audience and the audience loves it, the benefit to that organizer is their, their audience will be very grateful that they took time out to find an expert to help them solve the problem that they have where no one else could do it. So you've got to look at what is it you are bringing to the table. And remember that earlier on, you're going to have a conversation, you're going to make a proposal, you're going to suggest some things. And if they feel that, yep, this is for them, they'll go for it. If it feels like an imbalance, then they won't. So the win is that they get your expertise on their platform that serves their clients and their clients are happy. So it makes them look good. The other area, the other example um, who's one of our other clients was this Adam the there was a uh, there was a company who were promoting their health and nutrition products and they and they do that very well making a lot of money so one of our clients wanted to get in you know get involved with them but what they well, one of our clients does they speak on nutrition and health they don't have a product. And so they, they wanted to get a joint venture whereby they wanted to get in front of the audience and they would work out, lay everything out in terms of the email strategy, the email campaign, and this our client would then deliver a webinar series to really help those people who are buying those products. Now, the product owner was not a speaker, was not a trainer, was not um, trained in that area. And so the benefit to, the, to that business was someone who's an expert, seemingly an expert, who can marry what they do from a knowledge base, from a product basis with someone who has the knowledge and ease to help them to be motivated, inspired, to keep buying their products, a win-win scenario. Okay, so speaking of win-lose scenarios, um, here's something that comes up, and I hear this a lot from web developers and digital marketers. So I have an example of another friend of mine. Uh, now, this friend of mine, who is definitely not me, had uh, decided that they had been in web development for several years and didn't want to be anymore. So stepping out of web development, they moved into two separate forms of consulting. And then they also entered a few JV deals. And in two of the JV deals, it became clear pretty quickly to this person that it wasn't in the eyes of the other people involved, really a JV. It was more like them blowing smoke up their ass so they could get free web work done. Hmm. You know, I think I, that that may strike a chord with some of our listeners. And that may sound a bit familiar. In fact, this one person that ended up saying 
to these folks when they backed out of the deals actually very quickly. They said, look, um, this uh, I'm not seeing I'm not seeing a revenue model, a real revenue model here. This seems very experimental. This seems very startup-ish with a with an eventual plan to maybe attempt to monetize in three years. And in the meantime, it seems like I'm building a lot of websites here. I don't want to be a paid web guy. I'm not going to be your free web guy. Uh, yeah. I know in I know in my own situation, I had somebody propose what they were calling a JV JV deal to me. Uh, they were very weak negotiators, and I got them to actually blurt out, uh, "I was hoping you'd build your our membership site for us." <laughs> uh, okay, and, and they were and they were saying wow. they were saying yeah. They're going to give me revenue share. So this one happened to me, and I fictionalized it in my book, Groundhog Days and Event, Not a Business Strategy. And this conversation actually happened. Uh, I had them tell me about their membership program they wanted this site for uh, when I was still playing along and pretending like I was buying their story about uh, how they were looking for me to be a, their revenue share partner, even though they'd already you know blurted out the, the truth uh, in their mind. And... Um, and uh, so they told me about it. And I said, yeah, it sounds like a really great program. Uh, how many members do you have? And they said, uh, well, we don't have members yet. And we're probably about a year from launching. We were hoping to launch sooner if you could build the membership site for us. And I said, tell you what, I have a great idea for you. It sounds to me like you're not, you don't really have the money to pay somebody to do this. And you're looking to outsource it rather than figure it out yourself. And Hey, that's all well and good. You know, shoot your shots. Uh, but here's a nutty idea. Why don't you uh, go get some people to pay you and then use proceeds from those collected fees to pay my fee? <laughs> okay, you hear, hear the crickets? Yeah. <laughs> now, now, I actually got a little more in depth than that. How many members do you have? Oh, none. Okay. Well, how many people have filled out credit card forms with their signatures on it saying the moment you launch you launch this charge me how many of those expiration dates are still valid and uh, uh well we haven't offered it to anybody yet <laughs> oh that's a wow. great business you've really so, tested so you've, you've <laughs> tested the hell out of that one you got me interested in revenue <laughs> share okay uh, now this right. is, now this is after I I already heard some of these stories of people in the web development space and you know what we now call the digital marketing space where they caught that inkling that they were being approached with so-called JV deals but what it was really about is people getting tangible services for free. Yeah, yeah. So, and so, so my thought on that yeah. is so my thought on that is. Uh, there's a couple ways that you can bridge the gap and demonstrate that it is a it is a real joint venture deal. One of which is is to put up some money. Maybe you don't have all of it, but put up something, uh, or maybe make an agreement to pay on installments or something like that. So you spread out the pain a little bit. You're, you're going to pay for it anyway. Another could be is to demonstrate that it already has revenue flow and give them a taste right now. So show them, uh, we want you to be a revenue partner. Here's revenue we're partnering with you on right now. You're part of this now. Uh, a, thir a third piece could be uh, to, I mean, a, a third could be to give, to sign an agreement that guarantees 
a specific percentage of revenue share rather than say, we'll give you revenue share. And, and also to put in a guarantee that if the revenue doesn't materialize, they'll still get X amount of money. Yeah. Makes sense. So, 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 so I might look at that and say, okay, well, my worst case scenario here is in uh, is that I'm going to get $1,500 right now. And I have another 45 coming to me, regardless if this succeeds. If it fails, I at least get six grand out of it. If it succeeds, mm-hmm. my possibilities are potentially endless. Now, if this is yeah. a real JV, not only does that now suddenly intrigue me because I'm not getting screwed on this, but I now have a vested interest in succeeding because when this venture succeeds, I really succeed. And so, so now yeah. it's transformed into something a heck of a lot better. So that to me is one way of dealing with the unevenly yoked sort of thing, or when people need to hire services that they can't afford. Uh, if you want it bad enough, you can find a way to find five grand. It's it's doable. Yeah, definitely. And you know, it's great, great um, stories you just shared there. And the what that's a real bad case scenario when someone approaches you and they do not have a business model, a workable business uh, revenue generating business model so how are you both going to win so it's great that you in that moment there Adam what you did you you advised them you actually coached them to say hey look do this and one of the concepts and one of the marketing concepts was get some pre-sales done start talking to people tell them this is what I have this is how you're going to benefit this is the result you're going to get this is how much money you're going to make and sell some clients into it if you've got no clients Right now, and you want to do a joint venture based on uh, money, based on uh, clients coming through, then you'll make your money. Then it's at that moment, it's not a win-win. If it's not, and, and, and there's three wins, actually. It's the win, win, and win. Win for the, the joint venture partner one, win for the joint venture partner two, and win for the clients. If it's not three-way win, step out, don't do it. Don't yeah. do it. And in that moment, you looked at it sensibly there, Adam. Right, right, right. So so, ba- so basically, if you're talking about bringing in a revenue partner, well, then you're really bringing in a revenue partner. And instead of, and now, to me, they're authentically making the proposal of, well, rather than just hire you and pay you a fee, we're going to give you a piece of this. All right, show me that there is a piece I can tangibly see. Uh, otherwise, the antenna are way up. That this could be a way of getting free services. Mm. And that and that is and that is just something that you see you see as being a stopping point. And uh, you and there's always somebody who's green and starving and will take on anything in the hopes of uh, getting a win that will fall for something like this. But uh, you have for every person who's new to doing that stuff who will probably be susceptible to it maybe once. You have ten more who have been burned by it. And if they find out that that 11th person is doing it, we'll gang up on them and, sh- and put the fear of God into them. And you could lose and you could lose your uh, your uh, JV, excuse me, free web guy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, in this, in this world we live in, I, I believe in one of the words you said was there, authenticity and real and yeah. be genuine, be really interested in that person be really interested in building a long a long term sustainable relationship not a hit and run not let me make quick buck and and move no build a long term relationship why because in that moment you're marketing 
engine is running month after month, year after year, as you continue to do things together, if it's done the right way. If it's just a hit and run, then both part, one party may be looking at, okay, how do I make money from this quickly and then go? So I only focus on long-term sustainable relationships. And that's why I've got some partners that I've been working with for the past, what, 10, uh, more than 10 years now. Yeah. So here's, so here's another thing that comes to mind. Um, you know, I spoke earlier about the share and share alike on the leads that are generated. Now, if I enter a JV with somebody where we're mm. going to keep our separate businesses, we're going to do this one specific thing together. Naturally, yeah. we're going to market it to our own lists and our lists are going to have different people on them. So we're going to end up with some of each other's subscribers. A pretty clear cut way of dealing with this is to collect those leads in a separate marketing system. So say for example, uh, but you know, me and my JV partner both have active campaign accounts. Well, we'll start another active campaign account just for the JV. So um, yeah, some of my people end up on that list. Some of their people end up on their list uh, through our joint marketing efforts. New people that will also share and share alike will end up. So we'll end up giving each other leads and collecting leads together. So that's the one we can farm for further business beyond what we do together in the JV. And at some point when the JV comes to an end, uh, we just go into that account that we share, do export, export, two CSV files, one for each of us. We all, we walk away with the whole thing. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a smart way of doing it. And, and, uh, and, and you know, what you've just brought up here says you're, you've been, you're thinking through the whole process. And because you're thinking through the whole process, when it comes to documenting it, you actually write it all down in the legal agreement. So, in the uh, actually, uh, let me give you six. Um, let me give you six steps that we teach people while I'm talking about this. Because this will be this will be a perfect place. Yeah, we are near the top of the hour, so this is gonna be an amazing place to wrap up. Go. Right, right. So let me very quickly. Number one, if you're going to do joint ventures, we we have a million dollar joint venture process, and this is quickly six steps are on it. Number one, you've got to take time to identify the right joint venture partner for you. Um, by that, I mean, you know, who are they? And, and the quickest way to look at it is who has my ideal clients already? Who has my audience already that I can partner with? So identify them. Number two, once you've identified them, contact them, have a conversation, meet up, uh, email, whatever it is, but have that conversation. Number three, create a compelling joint venture proposal because you'd have done some research on them, you'd know where their weaknesses are or what the opportunities are. Create that joint venture proposal. Number four, meet up with them again, present your joint venture proposal and say, this is how I think, this is how we could work together. This is what I'm proposing. This is how you're gonna win. This is how I'm gonna win. This is how the clients are gonna win. Number five, now, once all that's agreed proposal-wise, then close the deal. Close the deal by get, signing a joint venture agreement, which I've mentioned several times now. Number five, sign a joint venture agreement, seal it. Number six is continue maximizing the profits with each other, maybe once a quarter, once a year, whatever it is. But number six is maximizing the profits because you've done it once, can you do it again? Often the answer is yes, unless it's just a short-term fix. So I just wanted to give that to your audience there, Adam. I think that's fantastic. And yeah, one final point that comes to mind, of course, is if you know if you are doing a JV as a, as a lead farm, and anything beyond the services rendered by the JV or share and share like leads for your respective businesses. Another thing to nail down is 
do you pay each other commissions or not? Um, I personally favor the model where it's just free for all, get what you can get, uh, keeps things simple. Uh, but if you do have this expectation that if one of you does a deal in your own business off a lead generated by that joint, by that joint venture, then the other person gets a 10% cut, spell that out. Yes. Yes. It's all got to be defined. Absolutely right there, Adam. Yeah. So to me, what it comes down to is it's a combination of look at every single step and keep asking, and then what, and then what, and then what, and then use that classic management philosophy of the five whys. Ask why five times to get to the root of the issue. There you go. All right. Absolutely. All right. So we are at the top of the hour. Uh, you have an invitation for our list, and I'm going to share that with you now. If, uh, folks can visit Mac's website. Go to www.macatram.com. That's spelled M-A-C-A-T-T-R-A-M.com. You'll see his website where you discover everything that Mac has to share about joint ventures, how he can work with you, some of the folks he's worked with, Les Brown, Robert Kiyosaki, Harv Ecker, Blair Singer. I mean, these are these some major names that the, most of you already know. And there is a there's an online home study course on how to do this. And there's also a free three-minute quiz that will help you discover Absolutely. which area of your business could be holding you back from growing your business quickly. And once you know the answer to that, Perhaps you know the puzzle piece that'll fit to get you a great joint venture. So again, that's www.macatrum.com. With that, my friend, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. You're most welcome. Thank you, Adam. Thank you for having me. And reach out if I can support in any way. Thank you, guys. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.